All right, welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. I am Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief at Football Outsiders. I'm joined, as always, by Mike Tanier, and we've got Derek Klassen with us today. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the latest news on cutdown day in the NFL and then previewing the Los Angeles Chargers and the Denver Broncos as we come almost to the end of our big team previews that we've been doing for eight weeks. I want to remind you that this live stream and podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. If you are tired of season-long fantasy football leagues, try out Underdog Fantasy. It's the fastest-growing company in fantasy sports. And if you use promo code OUTSIDERS, you will double your deposit up to $100. Play in best ball tournaments with $10 million in total prizes, including $2 million to first place for a fantasy team that you don't have to manage all season long. Also, check out their pick and product for prop betting markets, even in states where traditional sports books are not yet available. Promo code OUTSIDERS for a free deposit match for $100 at underdogfantasy.com or at your favorite app store. Also, don't forget Football Outsiders Almanac 2022, still available. If you do not have a copy of this sucker yet, you want to get yourself a copy. Go to Amazon.com for the physical copy or become an FO Plus subscriber for the electronic copy, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. I, I, I got to interrupt you right here. We're not going to do the Chargers and the Broncos just yet because I have a bone to pick with Matt Ryan's publicist over there, Derek Klassen. Now, you are still on this Matt Ryan train, aren't you? Why wouldn't I be? I'm his publicist. He pays me very well to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. He admitted it. So, so you, have, you have watched the Matt Ryan Colts offense go out there for like 37 series over the course of the preseason and like get like one field goal out of it. And you're still on board with this. Oh, I just don't care about the preseason. I think I think it's actually kind of bizarre how much people seem to care about the preseason over the right. past like two years now. It's kind of like a thing that everyone... But I, I don't know. It's the preseason. I think once we get to real football, and I think specifically with Reich and Ryan being like very good at being able to like shift their game plans constantly, I, I feel pretty good about it still. Okay. Well, we, we going back to our draft show, we had this this thing. We and, and and you know you like Matt Ryan. You like the combination of Matt Ryan and Frank Reich. And I think Matt Ryan is basically burnt toast, who's ready to fall through the bottom of the toaster. But. When we tried to come up with a bet about it in the past, we kind of got stuck with the fact that, like, while we both know he's going to gain some yards, Colts are going to win some games here. You know, they play the Texans. They play the Jaguars. It was hard to come up with, like, an over-under or things like that. But, you know, I've been talking to you, Derek. I've been talking to some Colts fans. I know you're out there. I know you're out there, Colts fans. I know some of you are upset with me for some reason. The, the reason why is because when the Colts made the horrible decision the horrible decision to bring in Matt Ryan as their quarterback of the year. And once again, procrastinate with the latest old timer or, or leftover from the Eagles. I said they'd have been better off getting Mitch Trubisky. Now Colts fans, I, you're out like, oh, 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 Mike Tanier thinks Mitch Trubisky is better than Matt Ryan. No one thinks that no one thinks that what I think, what I feel pretty certain about is that the Steelers have a better approach to solving their quarterback problems. 
than the Colts do. The Colts are procrastinating. There's no young quarterback. Do not talk, mention Sam Erringer to me on, the, on this. You talk about not caring about the preseason. I won't even do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, he's a Matt, he's Matt Ryan's publicity guy. He's not Sam Erringer. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I see those Desmond Ritter bucks too. I've been I've been watching you. I've been watching you. Uh, but and I'm not going to mention the fact that you know Kenny Pickett has a really good preseason, et cetera, et cetera. I think that the Steelers are going to be in better shape in the long run than the Indianapolis Colts are going to be because of the way they handled the quarterback situation. And that's why I propose this wager to you. I believe that the Steelers are going to end the regular season with an equal or better record than the Indianapolis Colts. I'm picking Steelers over Colts. I I will say on the one hand, I kind of see it, but not because of anything that has to do with the quarterbacks. It's just I kind of trust Mike Tomlin. The problem is I still don't trust Kenny Pickett whatsoever. I think his preseason has kind of been a little fake to me. Um, I mean, his air yards is like 5.5. Like he's not doing anything that we didn't think that he could kind of already do. Um, and then I think they play in one of the hardest divisions in football. You know, the Browns obviously aren't going to be as good as we thought for at least the first 11 weeks. Definitely but... have one of the hardest schedules in the league, no question. Yeah, I mean, Baltimore and, and Cincinnati alone is, like, really hard. Um, whereas, you know, the Colts, I don't know, like, Tennessee might be decent. Other than that, I mean, I think they, they should be able to win a lot of those games. Um, and also, I think, you know, a big thing that I think people have kind of hit against the Colts is the loss of Matt Eberflus. I think he's like a nice coordinator. I don't think he was one of these, like, he's changing, you know, the way that defense is played in the NFL. He's like incredible. He's probably hurts a little bit, but like Gus Bradley, you know what you're getting with him and it's probably going to be fine considering the players that they have up front. So I don't know. I still feel good about the Colts. I, I see how it is. Like, I love Matt Ryan. I love Matt Ryan, but Robert Heath's wrote, you know, Matt Eberflus, like that's a, that's a loss. So, so in this bet, if you decide to take this bet, remember, I'm incurring the risk of that horrible schedule that you talked about. Right. I'm inter- incurring the risk of Mitch Frickled, Fricking Trubrisky as the starting right. quarterback <laughs> and as a rookie. Okay. And you're talking about losing Eberflus. I've got that Matt Canada guy as my offensive coordinator for my team. <laughs> Okay. This is a. This is, you, you sound like you're talking yourself out of it. I am not. I'm, not <laughs> I'm incurring all this risk, and that's why I get the push. Both teams finish right. nine and eight. Both finish eight, eight and nine. That's a win for me. I get the yeah. push on this. But you get the Colts. You get what you love the Frank Reich, Matt Ryan combination. You get Quentin Nelson. You get Michael Pittman. You get Jonathan freaking Taylor. I get Alec you, Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> and Alec Pierce. Right. So we each get a rookie sensation wide receiver out of it. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're even on that front, at least. <laughs> Do you accept this challenge, Derek? Of course. Absolutely. Now, the only question is, we're not going to start throwing money around against each other because all the money just comes out of Aaron's pocket anyway, so it doesn't really uh, <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't impact that much. So we have to make this a bet that hurts. Now, I know for a fact you're a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is that correct? Um, you know, fan is a word that you could use. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And your favorite character is She-Hulk. Is that correct? Favorite is a word that you could use. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, Derek, when when She-Hulk was announced, Derek took to Twitter to slander. It was the least I've understood anything in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you need to learn 
Okay, this is about you learning about the deep cuts of Marvel history, in addition to you know the deep cuts of football history, et cetera, et cetera. So, if I win, you will have to, and this will not be decided probably until late December. We'll know by season and maybe beforehand. Um, you'll have to watch She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, in its entirety, and write about it in your Friday walkthrough. Excuse me, your, your Friday film room. That's my thing. And we'll have to talk about it on a podcast. And I'm going to warn you in advance. I'm a big She-Hulk fan. I'm two episodes in. It's not very good. Oh, no. If not even you like it, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. It's not very good. Uh So you will not only be ingesting She-Hulk attorney at law, but an inferior version of She-Hulk attorney at law. Now, that's a pretty big risk. What are you going to put on the table for me? So I'm willing to take on that risk, as as horrifying as it sounds. Um, my proposal to you is probably going to be making you watch some series of League of Legends. By the time we get done with the regular season, we might be, we should be done with uh, the World's Championship. So maybe I can give you something good and let you watch the World Finals. Oh, or maybe I'll have you come back and watch the EU Masters Summer Final, which is like basically semi-pro League of Legends. So, League you know, we'll see how I'm feeling. We'll see how spiteful I feel. Depending League on of how Legends, goes. my friend. Get with the action. Kids today know a lot more about League of Legends than they do about She-Hulk. Jeez. Is that one of those <laughs> damn video games my kid plays? Uh, for their sake, I hope they don't play League of Legends because it's very bad for your brain. But, you know, it's, it's possible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's watching other people play video games. You're going to yep. make me do this? Yep. And you're not, what you said, I'm not going to be able to watch. And I, I know I'm a, okay. There are professional League of Legends players. Yes. I guess I live in a world where that's true. I'm not going to yep. be allowed to watch the pros. We'll see how I'm feeling. I might give you the pros. I might give you the semi pros. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, if, if they, let's. If the Colts Mike, win it you by won't one even game, be able to tell the difference. Let's be honest. That you know what? That's a good point. It's the it's only going to matter to me. A move. It's not like you're going to be like, oh, he should have moved that guy over yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's really only going to matter to me. <laughs> it could be Bills versus Chiefs League of Legends. Right, and you would have no idea. You could think it was Browns Jets, and you'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> God. All right. Didn't know I was getting into this, but I'm so confident in this wager. I will take the League of Legends. Let's go. Action. And Aaron, you're a witness. Everybody I am watch the this. witness. I am the witness to this bet. I know what the plan is. Pittsburgh and Indianapolis, you get the push. She-Hulk yeah. versus League of Legends. <laughs> what a cursed <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Brian says we're on dangerous ground mocking people for watching people play video games because it's clearly, as you know, it's nothing important like watching people play football, is it? <laughs> it's, That's it's how the youth today think. It's a generation gap thing. I'm making him watch Sheep. I, I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yes, and I may or may not follow Potato McWhiskey on uh, Twitter, so I might I might be uh, gingerbreading my knowledge of uh, video games <laughs> a little bit. But you're a witness. Everyone here is a witness. This is the wager, folks. And Colts fans who have been trolling me, Colts fans have been quiet during the preseason when Matt Ryan's been going out there and – going three and out but i know you're out there this is the bet you guys are team derek coral skipper says that you are lucky that you don't have to play league of legends because even by video game standards that community is toxic oh god i I would not even i i I like mike too much to make him play 
So <laughs> you're, not, you're not dragging me into some Gamergate crap, are you? Nah, I, I will not drag you to the depths of uh, League of Legends uh, all chat. I, I won't is do it, that to you. Because <laughs> so I know, like, what is it? Overwatch, that tends to be less toxic. Am I, am I correct on this? In my experience, yes. Okay. Um, but, you know, every every gaming community has a little of something. So. <laughs> there's, there's assholes everywhere. Right, There's even right. toxic Civ Six players out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, man. It's like it's, it's. Oh, never mind. I'm not going into that stuff. A lot of Gilga Bros out there. Mm. All right, let's get let's get back to the football. We we are going to track this bet all season: Steelers versus Colts with these two guys. Let's get back to let's talk a little bit about the news of the last couple of days, the biggest news stories of the last couple of days. Then we'll get to the AFC West. Yesterday's biggest news story was probably not an early cut. It was Jimmy Garoppolo signing a new contract with San Francisco that lowers his cap hit and keeps him there for this year as Trey Lance's backup rather than going to another team or being traded to another team. What do you guys think? Of, because this is, you know, it's funny because we're like, you know, the stat guys. But this seems to me like a whole psychological discussion of what is San Francisco trying to do? Does this say something about how they see Lance? Does having Jimmy around create problems for Lance? Like, remember last year, the Patriots cut Cam Newton so that, like, Mac Jones would be the number one guy and there would be no, like, question about who the number one guy is. Does it create problems? Like, it's a lot of psychological questions, I think. I guess I start with, doesn't Jimmy Gar- Garoppolo just disappear during the offseason? Didn't we just hear that? that? Like, the team can't even get a hold of him? So so I guess, you know, in, in the case of Garoppolo, first of all, there was clearly no quarterback aftermarket this year. Everybody who's trying to polish up Mason Rudolph and trade him and things like that, no one's nibbling right now. There was not a market for Jimmy Garoppolo. Even the Seahawks are going what they, they got. So I guess for Trey Lance, if it's too much pressure to have Garoppolo there, who was excused from all of training camp, Hasn't practiced with the team. Shanahan was clearly sending rumors out there to kind of sandbag this guy. If Garoppolo is too much pressure, then then anybody's too much. Then the NFL might be too much pressure for you at this point. Like this guy has been marginalized as a guy can be marginalized. And yet he's still like a sunk cost and better as a backup than Nate Sudfeld. And that's why he's there. So I think it's kind of a nothing burger in terms of the drama element. I also think it's pretty nothing. I think it was just kind of like Mike said, like the quarterback market dried up. And at like they said months ago, if he had not, if Jimmy Garoppolo had not gotten surgery, he would have been traded. He would be gone. It's just that teams were kind of worried about the surgery at the time. And now we're kind of well past the point where everyone, all their seats are filled. So like, where is Garoppolo going to go? And so at this point, the only compensation that you would get for Garoppolo is probably not that much. Like I think I tweeted uh, yesterday there's really no compensation they're going to get back for Jimmy this year. That would be better than having like a legitimate top 25 quarterback as your backup. Like that's huge, especially when this team probably thinks that they can compete um, at least for like, you know, an NFC championship or something. So I think that's really all it is, is they just couldn't move him for anything. Might as well keep a good backup. Um, It's not like they're going out and getting a guy to pressure Lance. This guy was already there. I think they've made it very clear that Lance is going to be their guy. So to yeah. me, this is just a fail safe if Lance either gets hurt or is like catastrophically bad. I think if Lance is just mediocre and looks like a first year starter, they're not going to pull him. I think it's just if he looks absolutely horrific or if he gets hurt, um, which is possible with his play style. Right. 
and, and Brian is here in the chat and can probably talk about the psyche of the 49ers fans on this and uh, <laughs> speak up because they tend to they tend to buy into these dramas a little bit. I know the television networks will buy into the dramas on Twitter or buying into the dramas. You're absolutely right, Derek. It's just very like penny wise dollar foolish to create a controversy at this point when one guy is clearly just completely out the door and the other is the investment of the organization. And, and the only reason, year. yeah, and the only reason you would have moved them anyway, really at this point is for the money. But if he's taking less money anyway, then who cares about moving it? Like just, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, Todd Singer, by the way, points out that the Colts played the Steelers on Monday night football on November oh, 28th. <laughs> so he demands a live blog on our new oh, discord God. server. For you I'll be guys there. We'll have the a war. We'll, we'll fight a little bit. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. Hopefully they'll have the same record at that point. That'll be good. That would be even better. The uh, the biggest news of today involved Mike's Philadelphia Eagles, and that is that the Eagles cut Anthony Harris, who was their starting strong safety last year, and traded only a fifth and a sixth to New Orleans for C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who is a pretty good player who has sort of is the you know he's one of these safeties who also plays nickel right he can play yeah, nickel yeah. but he can play safety uh that you can use him in a lot of different ways and he's just another defensive piece now for this like hugely improved philadelphia defense that added so much this offseason and that's a real loss for new orleans yeah now you were pointing out Derek, that it looks like the eagles are moving him to safety mm-hmm. in the short term he's Which, all, yeah which I think is like he can do it. He can play safety, um, especially if you're going to want a safety who's going to roll down a lot into the box anyway, uh, which I, I think is probably what they're going to end up doing with him. My thinking was just like, I think in an ideal world, if I'm running a football team and I get uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, I want him in the slot um, because he's very violent. So you can press him all the time. And he's really, really good at actually like sifting through blocks and like playing the run. Um, which I think, you know, if teams are going to start emptying the box a little bit and be lighter there, kind of have to have a nickel who's going to, who's going to, you know, have some oomph like that. And so that's why I really like him there. But at the same time, the Eagles don't live in an ideal world and they desperately needed safety talent. And it makes, you're probably going to get more value out of the combination of Maddox and Gardner Johnson with Gardner Johnson at safety, where you can still roll him down and make him play man coverage and then just keeping Maddox in the slot where he is. Right. It's almost like you got little slot and big slot where yeah. it's the Perfect. big slot. Maddox is the little slot. Uh, Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins used to do things like that. It was a different right. administration, but he was sort of a safety who played slot a lot. You know, from, from the Saints side of this, they couldn't get the long-term contract done for Chauncey Gardner Thompson. Of course, why can't they do a long-term con- uh, contract? Because they currently uh, for 2023 are $54 million over the salary cap. Oh, is and that it? <laughs> that's just $54 million over next year. And for 2024, they have $222 million in liabilities already accounted for. Um, nice. This is, yes. This is money that you can't really move around very much. And that money is going to Michael Thomas, who's currently hurt. Cameron Jordan, who'll be 35 by then. Uh, Alvin Kamara, who might be, gosh, only knows, uh, uh, on a work release program by then. Demario Davis will be 35. Taysom Hill, no introduction necessary. Uh, the kicker, et cetera. So this is why you can't sign a 24-year-old to a long-term deal because you've committed all that to all these guys you're trying to win with this year. <laughs> yes, the cap is real. You can push it off for a while, but you cannot push it off forever. It yeah, eventually yeah. comes and you have to pay the piper. 
<laughs> and it, this is a little bit of, I mean, they've got PJ Williams to replace him as the slot guy, but this does make me worry a little bit about my Saints as the number one defense projection. Right. And again, they're pretty strong elsewhere. They got Honey Badger, you know, Marcus May is a good player. He can play close to the line. They do have some solutions there. It's both this year, weakening this year a little bit. And again, they lost Trevor Penning. Uh, for a while so like weakening them and then weakening moving forward that's not a position you want to be in when you're in the saints and you're in the wild card place you'll be in the eagles place where you can add pieces and you know massage draft picks and things like that and create sort of a sustainable model i believe when tom dd5 refers to the love child he is referring to Taysom hill never meant to be the love child that's him all right, let's talk about the AFC West. That is where we started, uh, where the goal was for today's show. And we'll do the question of the day, which is the Chargers defense, which is dramatically improved and projected to dramatically improve by uh, by our uh, team projection system. Uh, where do you think they're going to finish the season? A, top five defense for the Chargers. B, somewhere between six and 16. Or C, they're going to still be in the bottom half of the league, even after adding J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, uh, Kyle Van Noy, and, um, oh, God, what's the name of the defensive tackle? Sebastian Joseph Day. Yes. So. I am leaning towards, what was the second option, like 6 to 16? 6 to 16. I think that's probably where I would, like, just for my personal thing, I would put it more like 6 to 12 is probably the range I'm expecting yeah. for them just because I still think their linebackers are really bad. <laughs> um, it is and, time for Kenneth Murray to uh, grow up a bit. Yeah. yeah, I would like to see him take on a block for once. Um, <laughs> and the defensive line is better. I still don't think it's fantastic. Um, Morgan Fox is maybe starting for them. Like one of Morgan Fox or Jerry Tillery is going to have to play significant amount of snaps. Morgan Fox is nice when he's a rotational player off the bench. Not as great when he has to start for you full time. Um, so I still think, and then also, I'm not completely sold on their second outside cornerback spot. You know, I think, you know, Asante Samuel showed some things, but like, I don't think this is like a surefire, like they have a, a lockdown number two. I think yeah. that could be a little, um, you know, wonky for them, especially um, if he has to play against a bunch of bigger receivers, which I think in this division, he's probably going to have to a lot. Um, so I don't know. I think they're going to be a really good defense. I just think it's not all the way there yet for like a fully elite, um, perfect defense yet. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm maybe a little lower. I was like that second quartile, like they can get to 16, but they could be as high as eight or nine. And kind of for the reasons you said, it's a little incomplete. Uh, Jackson's injury is just this little thing where they start the season off with two really tough opponents, and that's going to be an issue. Maybe not so much for the DVOA, but for their win-loss record, et cetera. And one thing I have, and we'll talk as we work into this, the Chargers uh, regular conversation here is I hate the fact that I've seen nothing. I mean, I understand not playing your starters and not playing your, but like, I, I have no handle on what this is going to look like. I, I did see enough of Tillery to say he still looks weak. Okay. But, but there's no, like we even ma ma marginal proof of concept for anything else. You know, other teams, at least they put their first round rookie or somebody else. Up. Oh, look, we saw Aiden Hutchinson get a sack. We saw this, we saw that. There's nothing to hang your hat on from the preseason with the Chargers with that. I'll point out, by the way, to people who see the graphic about the Chargers, this is a new simulation that is updated from the book for things like the Deshaun Watson suspension being a certain number of games and uh, Tim Patrick 
uh, being injured from the Broncos and a couple of other changes. So this new simulation has uh, the high teams a little higher and the low teams a little lower, which is why the Chargers end up with a little bit better chances of making the playoffs or winning the Super Bowl than they had in the book. But I do think, like, if you ask me what was likely, I do think they're going to miss this defensive projection and beat this offensive projection. Like, I could see them being the opposite of this, like third on offense and seventh on defense as more likely than what the numbers have for them. And they also have the easiest schedule in their division, which is why the Chargers are actually our division favorite ahead of the Chiefs for this year. Even though the Chiefs project with a better offense, they project with a much worse defense and a harder schedule. Hmm. Yeah, I can see what you're saying with that. I I guess I see offense seventh. And another thing I have a problem with the, the Chargers as a team and maybe as an offense is making that jump from the wild card contender to the Super Bowl contender, which I think everyone anticipates they're going to make. And some of that is expecting a Justin Herbert continued development, and that's fine with that. Some of it is I don't see the other pieces on this offense that are really going to make that. And again, I didn't see anything in the preseason. Uh, the rookie running back didn't look particularly good. We might be seeing more Joshua Kelly this year, et cetera, et cetera. I don't see that thing that makes me jump up and say, yeah, this is a team that's going to barrel through and compete with the Bills. Well, Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen is very good. Mike Williams is very good. We really like Josh Palmer, the tight end spot. Meh. Tight end spots, meh. But Austin Eckler is a very talented player. And right. the offensive line is good. This is now the second year for Rashawn Slater. They added Zion Johnson. This offensive line should be better than last year. I think the offense really, really depends on Zion Johnson being like a capable right guard out of the gate, which I think he he can and should be. Um, and then Joshua Palmer looking even better because the problem is if this offense isn't going to have speed and they don't have any, um, you know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, these are all good players. They're not fast. They're not burners. Um, if yeah. they're not going to have like just raw speed where they can take the top off consistently – all of these guys have to be able to get open under that 20 yard, um, you know, section or whatever. And I think if Palmer can take another little step in that direction, we know Williams and Allen can get open that in that area consistently. If Palmer can add something there and they just constantly have guys open in that 10 to 20 yard range, there are very few quarterbacks I would rather have than Herbert to try to operate that range. Um, so I think they could be really, really good if, if Palmer takes that step forward. And I think he could. I think he was really good last year. Just to answer some of the questions in the chat, Joey Suck says, uh, in the book, no one got past 9.7 mean wins. I believe in the book it was 10.2 for Buffalo was the highest number. In this simulation, the highest number is 10.6 for Buffalo. So when Trexel asks if there was a big jump from the old simulation to this new simulation, it's the same jump that every team had, right? They jumped by like two tenths or three tenths of a win. They were third in DVOA before they're third in DVOA now. So the order of teams doesn't change. It's just this simulation is a little bit more spread out than the one that I did for the book because of the methodology that I used. More amplitude, folks. More amplitude for the uh, highs get a little higher, lows get a little lower. Middle stays middle. But the the change will, when we get to Denver, there'll be a little bit of a change. But the Chargers haven't really changed since the book. Because like Mike says, we haven't seen anything. <laughs> nobody's gotten hurt because nobody's played. So, you know, I mean, why would your opinion of this team change at all from what you thought of this team two months ago? Because you'd seen nothing. So there's no there's no opinion to change. 
Palmer did get out and play a little bit and have a couple of plays in the preseason. So you saw, you saw that, but again, that's not illustrative. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a number three receiver who's in, been in the NFL two years now and can do those things. Um, I, I appreciate that at tight end, they went from the mistake prone Jared cook to the even more mistake prone Jared Everett. It's like, uh, it's, it's like more of an opportunity to just make something go wrong in the middle of the field. But like you said, if they've got three receivers that can stretch the field, they're not going to ask much of their tight ends. Just to point out the schedule, by the way, the three games that you play different from the other teams in your division, for example, the Chargers get Cleveland, where Kansas City gets Cincinnati, hmm. and the Chargers get, and they get Cleveland without Watson. And the Chargers get Atlanta, where since uh, where um, Kansas City has to play Tampa Bay, Ooh. and then the Chargers get Miami, where uh, Kansas City has to play Buffalo. Jesus! <laughs> wow! Holy Ooh. crap! That's the that's <laughs> the difference. That's the difference between the Chargers and the Chiefs' schedule. Is is um, is Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, and Buffalo. Versus Cleveland, Atlanta, and Miami. That's convincing. You made you made some compelling points there. <laughs> I mean, made... That's like three playoff teams versus maybe three completely not playoff teams at all. Right, right. right. Three teams in in various, at least two in various stages of collapse. Right, two disasters and the Miami Yak Show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at now this Chargers, and it's like Raiders and Chiefs to start the season. Let's call that a split. And then you get Jaguars, Texans, and the Cleveland Brissettes. Oh. That's a four and one start. I mean, that's a nice little warm up to the middle of the year. <laughs> that's a four and one start. Maybe get five, uh, six and one, because you have the Seahawks as well. Maybe five and two, whatever, going into the bye. That's a very strong start for the Chargers. Yeah. It's really like the difference between their schedule and the schedule for the Chiefs is pretty big. Joey Sucks calls it the Miami Yaxophone experience. <laughs> Yakety Yaxophone. Yakety. Oh, gosh. So that's, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm high on this team as a major Super Bowl contender is that I do feel like they've got, they, it, this is the hardest division in the league, right? All four teams are going to be above average, but um, they, they have that inside track to the, to the win with the Chiefs losing a little bit by losing Tyreek Hill and a couple of other guys off their defense. And uh, having a much harder schedule. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. So you sold me. The other, the only alter, the only thing stopping them will be the Chargers chargering, which I think there was an article. It's always Brandon, on the table. <laughs> Brandon Staley in the Athletic said, like, we actually have to face up to this. Like, we have to face up to the idea that our team always blows it in some way, and we have to figure out a way not to do that. And improving your special teams would be a help. That would they, be a start. They got DeAndre Carter returning kicks now. He is a professional kick returner, so that should limit the possibility of just a muff becoming a problem in like a Week 18 game. Uh, nothing special on the uh, kicker and punter front, but no. But they did replace the really bad punter with a guy who's nothing special, and I'd rather have nothing special than the really bad punter they had the last two years. Right. And I don't know, looking at this roster, if there's like some special team specialist. All the the Raiders have all the special team specialists this year, uh, but like you can, you should be able to put that together and, and stave off a, a disaster. Remember, sometimes it's muff kicks, sometimes it's missed field goals. Years ago, it was block kicks, but it's always something with the Chargers. 
All right, let's talk a little bit about the Denver Broncos. Again, a you know, maybe not a Super Bowl contender, but clearly a playoff contender like every team from the AFC West because it's just such a strong division right now. Um, and the, the, well, the Broncos projection has dropped a little bit from the book because of the loss of Tim Patrick, who's a really good receiver. Like, I know he's their third receiver, but he's had a lot of value in the past. Uh, but the Denver, you know, again, like I keep talking about with the Denver Broncos and the book talks about it as well. The big thing to know about the Denver Broncos is that last year their offense was better than you think it is. And their defense was much worse than you think it is because it was a statistical mirage. They were second in the league in points allowed. It was a statistical mirage caused by the fact that the offense played at a very slow pace and the special teams kicked the ball really far. So opponents had a, law, a long way to go when they got the ball and they had the ball less. Like Denver faced fewer drives right. than any other defense. Their defense really, despite the presence of some very talented players like Patrick Sertain, their defense was actually slightly below average last year. And we actually have it projected to be a little worse than that, which I think, I think our projection for their defense is a little too low. But, you know, they're hoping for Bradley Chubb to stay healthy and they're hoping for Randy Gregory to get a full year in. And there's a lot of hope in that. And they just took their, their best backup edge rusher and traded him to Pittsburgh today, Malik Reed. So they're really counting on Baron Browning, like, like super breakout guy from the preseason to like in case Chubb gets injured or something. And and your guy Derek Nick uh, Benito, right? Yes, Nick Benito also. He's one of your he, guys, right? He, uh, we'll no. see. I, I I have I have trouble imagining a two hundred and thirty five pound edge rusher doing a whole lot, but you know he has looked fine in the preseason. I, he he's had some pretty good clips. You know, I just worry about what their run defense might look like if he's starting, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> well, he, he ideally he's not starting. He's coming no, in. Ideally, a, Gregory and Chubb true. start the whole year. Right. And, you know, Sertain is super, but I don't think Darby is that great or Kawan Williams. So I think you can avoid Sertain in the secondary. Um, yeah. B.J. Jones we really like. So, I mean, you know, there's players on the defensive line. Um, I, I think that this defensive projection is too low. They're going to be better than this on defense. But um, I, I don't think they're going to be an above-average defense, like despite the presence of Sertain and Chubb. And and Gregory, I think that the, they're they're missing a lot of the connective pieces in depth. I, I will say I don't think Quan Williams is like a great player, but I think he's kind of what I think he sort of fixes part of the problems that they had last year. Because if they're gonna, they're still going to live in this kind of too high, um, you know, Fangio esque world, even though they just moved on from Fangio. Uh, I think Azure Evro is kind of going to do some of those same things. If you're going to live in that world, like I said earlier with uh, Gardner Johnson. You have to have a nickel who's going to come up, hit people, take on blocks, tackle. Quan Williams is going to do that. Like they, they, he might not be the most fantastic cover um, guy out of the slot. I mean, he's fine, um, but he's going to come up and hit. And I think that's actually really important for the way that they're going to need to play run defense. So I kind of like the fit there. You know, they didn't really have that as much out of the slot last year. So I kind of like the fit on that front, but I'm with you. 29th is maybe too low, but they're not going to be – it's too much of a stars. Denver fans, Denver fans think they added Russell Wilson to like a top five defense and they didn't. Right. No, they added Russell Wilson to like, hopefully not a disastrous defense. <laughs> right. And I, Bro Brozort says he's surprised the projection is so low. They had a pretty bad AGL on defense last year, which is true. 
And I do think, I think they should be closer to like 20th, which is what they were last year. I would, I expect that this defensive projection is too low for them and they're going to be better than that. And as Tom BD5 says, the closer we get to the season with Randy Gregory tracking to be ready and Bradley Chubb healthy, the more I'm like, yeah, this projection is too low. And we're writing the chapter. It's like, well, of course it's low. These guys aren't going to see the field at the same time. A disaster is going to hit because it hits every year. If we really see the fully healthy version of this, then we could then then we're going to have undershot it considerably. So yeah. But with their offense, we have projected to be very good. Now in the book, the offense was projected fourth. And the loss of Patrick is enough. The teams between fourth and ninth were close enough that the loss of Patrick drops them to ninth in their mean projected offense. But that's still a top 10 offense. And I mean, I'm still a believer in Russell Wilson. Like Russell Wilson last year was very good in the start of the season and the end of the season. It was just when he came back from the finger injury, he was bad for like three or four games. Now, I think the question you can ask about Russell Wilson is, what does it say when a quarterback has a better mean performance than a median performance? Like all those three and outs for Seattle, like even when Wilson was playing well, there were too many three and outs, but then there were all the deep throws. But I feel like when I've watched Wilson, like I think the talent is still there. Like Wilson is still a top quarterback in this league. I want to say, I I don't want to misquote them, but I think maybe it was like Richard Sherman at a certain point had said like Russ being that way where every drive is three and out or an explosive it's cool. And at the end, you get a good offense, right? I mean, they're, they're basically always in the top 10. Uh, Seattle was with Russell Wilson. Yeah. But as a defender, it's kind of annoying because you're, you're just, you're not, the offense isn't stringing enough uh, consistent drives together. The difference is, I think in Denver, they have a really good offensive line and a really good run game to kind of facilitate that for Russell Wilson in a way, um, which I think is going to be really important because the truth is like, Russ is really good. The idea of like let Russ cook being the way to run an offense with him, it just doesn't make sense because like you're kind of talking about, you end up with a lot of these. He goes into gun for three plays and he goes three now because he does something insane because he doesn't <laughs> operate the way that a normal quarterback operates um, because he's just not a normal player. You kind of have to put guardrails on the offense a little bit. And then when you do, you get, you know, like the back half of that 2015 season where he just looked, like unstoppable he where he looked like the best quarterback in the league i think if they can do a little bit of that he's going to be good i'm just a little bit worried about you know it seems like they're very open to letting russ command what the offense is going to be i'm a little scared about that to, to be honest in the late 2010s aaron Rodgers was a little bit in that boat where you would have a lot of drives mm-hmm. where you go into gun run around point throw an incomplete pass get angry and that was your drive and you know bringing in lafleur has brought back the MVP version of Aaron Rodgers and getting him to listen a little bit to something. Yeah, we do have some RPO scripted stuff. And then third and 10, go do your thing because we need you to do that or when the chips are down. Hackett was part of that group that got Aaron Rodgers to buy into that. You get you get Russell Wilson to buy into that. Again, superior offensive line to anything we've seen in Seattle since the days of like Okung and those guys. Going to be able to run the ball. Those running plays are going to make it second and four, second and three, not second and nine like it was in Seattle. You can run some of these quick concepts. I'm pretty confident that's going to get Russell Wilson back to being a little bit more of a, uh, an excellent quarterback, also a little bit more of a uh, conventional quarterback. Yeah. Just to, my, answer, my... just to answer Tom DD5's question, by the way, yes, losing Patrick dropped our projection for them. He's a good player. 
Mm-hmm. He's he's really good. And actually, what I would say is he would be perfect for Russ because Russ loves to just throw the ball up to somebody. Like he's just really good at trusting those guys, and he's really good at locating those passes. Yeah. Tim Patrick was really really good yeah. for those, so it kind of sucks that they're losing him. Um, the only thing I would say about you know uh, kind of getting Russell Wilson to accept some new changes. We never know how how well a guy is going to do that. With Rodgers, it took a year. Like that first year with Lafleur was, it was better than what he had with McCarthy, certainly. Yeah. But like you could tell, Rodgers, I think was not fully on board with it. It could totally take a year or at least you know two months of of this season for it to really kick into gear um, for for the Broncos' offense. So I think it's probably more likely, at least to open the season, it's not going to look what we think. Hopefully, by the time they get to you know closer to playoff football, they they get what they wanted. I was just looking up, how do they start the season? Well, they clearly start the season at Seattle. We know about that. Uh, <laughs> Seattle and Houston won, too. Gives them a chance to work some of the kinks out before things get yeah. wild. So that does give them a little bit more of an on-ramp. And, again, this is a team, another team from sort of the greater Shanahan-McVay school that you'll never, ever, ever start your starters, which is a little bit odd when you're trying to get Russell Wilson incorporated into your offense and these guys are used to, you know, what I call pitching machines and batting cages as quarterbacks. Yeah, the um, interesting, we were talking about the schedule, by the way. The three games that Denver has different from the rest of their division are the Jets and the Panthers and the Baltimore Ravens. So that's a two and one. Still pretty, yeah, still pretty good two ones. It's like the, um, the Chargers get like a three and oh, and the Broncos get a two and one, and the Chiefs get a one and two. Yeah. Or a two and one. Who knows? Or, I mean, yeah. the Chiefs are as good as those teams, but those are hard teams. Right, those so, are hard games. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, that's that's uh, that's tough. And the other thing I will say about the Patrick injury is the Broncos cannot afford to lose one of their remaining wide receivers. Yeah, the right. depth after they have Sutton, Judy, great. Hamler. Like we're waiting to see, but let's, you know, obviously a lot of talent was drafted in the second round, a lot of talent there. After that, it's like nothing. Yeah. If one of those guys gets hurt, they are in trouble. Kendall Hilton, baby. Kendall yeah. Hilton was cut today. Oh, no. Really? <laughs> Their next guy would be Montrell Washington, a fifth-round rookie, and Tyree Cleveland, a seventh-rounder from 2020. Tyree, listen, I am – at this point, a retired Gators fan, but I caught the very end of Tyree Cleveland in Florida. It, I don't think either they're going to get very much out of him. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, in fact, this would be a good place if the Giants cut Darius Slayton. This would be a good team to sign here. Yeah. I also didn't the Bucks just yeah. cut Tyron Johnson. Ty, Ty yeah, Tyler That's Johnson just got cut by the that should, Yeah, that playmaker store yes, favorite Tyler Johnson would be a good depth receiver for this team. And they're both they're both go deep get ball guys more or less because Slayton's a go deep get ball guy, and yeah. like for Russell yeah. Wilson having an extra go deep get. I'm just you know I mean Kendall Hilton was so so good during COVID. He should be our Surgeon General. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I hope he picks up somewhere. If not, USFL superstar, come on, Kendall. We're all rooting for you. Hint, hint, not Kendall, but you don't say. Yeah, I have a feeling he'll end up on the practice squad or something. Yeah. But so in the end, I mean, right now, would you pick Denver for a playoff spot? I mean, we have been making the playoffs basically half the time, so it's a 50-50 shot. Do you pick Denver for a playoff spot at this point, or do you think that it's more likely that they don't? 
I really do feel like it's a pretty 50-50 proposition. If I really, really had to pick, I think I probably would keep them out because I think, you know, we're going to get uh, the Chargers and the Chiefs for sure in. Um, and then really, like, I don't think the Raiders are, you know, I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to just get, like, free wins on the Raiders or anything. Um, and I think the defense, like, until they show that they're an above-average unit, I really have a hard time. And then I think I'm also slightly lower on Russell Wilson than than some people. Like, I think this is probably a team that just barely misses the cut, especially I, just with how loaded the AFC. If this was, if they were in the NFC, they they could make it. But like gotcha. the AFC, I don't know. Gotcha. Well, they're they're minus one forty five right now to make the playoffs, plus one twenty for a no. So that's kind of like a, we're not giving you any juice either way, kind of pick there. It's just. It's one of those ones where I will go back and forth on because we've got these three wild cards that we have to to, to mess around right. with. You, you know, it's like, well, today I I believe in the Steelers. Today, tomorrow I might believe in in the Colts despite our wager, and I might believe in the Dolphins with things go right. It's 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 very tricky. I still see them as in that group, though. I don't see them in this group or the Chargers. Let's put them in now. Obviously, the Bills. Let's put them in now. They're in that second category, maybe this two and a half category. I'm very down on the AFC South, so I don't think the AFC South is sending more than one team. Well, if yeah. you think of the Chiefs and Chargers, probably both make it. And you think the Ravens and Bengals probably both make yeah. it. That leaves one wild card spot. Right now, I would say Denver is my favorite for that one wild card spot, but it's very close between them and the Raiders and the Patriots. Dolphins. And if the Patriots can figure out how to get their heads out of their rectums, maybe that. <laughs> I really think for me, it's it's the Raiders. I actually, I think they're, I don't know if I for sure think they're better than Denver, but I really don't think they're worse. Um, like, I think that offense is going to be really, really sick. Um, and then I think the, the defense still doesn't have enough talent, but I like the defensive staff that they hired. So if they can get any degree of improvement just from that, um, and then, I mean, they did sign Ch- Chandler Jones, which is pretty big. I mean, like, we have the Raiders defense better than the Broncos defense because our projection for the Broncos defense is so low. So Yeah, and, like, the offense has potential to do st- something insane. Um, you know, you still kind of want to see it, because especially because the offensive line is probably not going to be that good. But Derek Carr, I think, took a step by himself last year. And then you now you're getting him with, like, his old college friend who is also the best receiver in the NFL – Mm-hmm. And also they have probably the best field stretching tight end in Darren Waller. Like, I don't know. The offense could be like, I don't like the potential. I think for the Raiders is about as good as Denver. I feel like I'll say this: you talk about the preseason, not mattering and everything. The Raiders look like they are installing a program. When I see their <laughs> offense, even with their backups, it's like, I know what this looks like. It looks like Josh McDaniels stuff that he did with non Brady's in the past where there's a fullback and, you know, there's toss crack and all this other stuff. Defensively, I see the same thing. It looks like they're being coached in a direction that makes sense. Now I'm not high on them yet. And I think that there's like a lot of the, the second level of the roster is kind of a mess, but at least I can see the direction they're heading in. And, and they don't have Brady obviously, but like Carr is more than smart enough to do all the stuff that, that McDaniels wants to do, you know, I, you know, nobody's Brady, but like, in terms of him finally having a non-Brady quarterback that is smart enough to run his offense, I mean, he has one. I mean, again, it gets it gets to the the basis of the AFC West, which is that there is, I think, a reasonable shot of all four of these teams having winning records. Right. Right? I mean, they're going to have to play each other, and so if one of them sinks to eight and nine, it'll be because they go two and four in the division or something, 
because the ball doesn't bounce their way one week. But, I mean, I think all four of these teams will finish in the top half of the league of DVOA, even if one of them has a losing record. I'm, I'm trying to find a prop on that, and I will not be able to dig it up right now. But I'll bet Ro- you that. Robert D. says the Raiders' offensive line and DBs may not hold up this year. Right. For the Broncos, it's the offensive line and a new head coach. Wilson should be fine, but who knows? I mean, yeah, there's the, 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 the Raiders have offensive line questions. There's no there's no question about that you would rather have the Broncos offensive line than the Raiders offensive line right now. But, you know, Devontae Adams cures a lot of bills. <laughs> that is, that's All right. That does it for today's show. Thank you to everybody who has been watching and commenting. Thank you. Uh, don't forget to pick up the Almanac. Don't forget to check out Underdog Fantasy. Use code OUTSIDERS for a match up to $100 on your deposit. Thank you to Derek. Thank you to Mike for joining us today. We have one more. We have done every team. There are two more teams left. One more show. Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs with Mike and Josh Dubow from the Associated Press who covers the Raiders will be with us to talk about the Vegas Raiders, who I swear I will not call Oakland. And or that will Los Angeles. So we will, or Los Angeles, yeah. All right, we will see you guys Thursday, 1 p.m. And until then, so long.